do me one more favor. Turn to a neighbor and tell them you're looking good. I mean, you guys look good. Tell your neighbor, you're looking good. You know how to get cleaned up for a holiday, baby. It is Easter, and we're going to celebrate. I, uh, this is so awesome. There's so many people here that I've never met. I'd love to meet you after the service if I haven't. But I've already told you that Meadows Church, we're a young church, four and a half years old. Um, and uh, I, I personally, I grew up like in a small town in South Dakota. I, I grew up Catholic, and uh, I was an altar boy. And being an altar boy, it wasn't bad. Like, you got to see how things were done kind of behind the scenes in the church. Like, like, we got to experience how they made holy water. You probably didn't even know they made holy water, did you? They do, yeah. So we, we take it in the back, in the back kitchen in the church, put like, water in a pot, and then we boil the hell out of it. And then it was heavenly water. So it was, I, I'm just kidding, that's not how you, that's not how you do it. But anyway, so, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, again, Meadows Church, what do you do? So, we, um... I grew up, like many of you, experiencing childhood, um, you know, having issues growing up as a kid. Like, I had uh, cholerophobia, okay? Now, you, now, you're looking at me like, you got what? It's not contagious, as far as you know. But uh, anybody know what cholerophobia is? No. Okay, it's fear of clowns, okay? Anybody else got cholerophobia? A few? Yeah, I, they're evil. I'm just telling you straight up, just so you learn a little bit about me. They're evil. We say every week at, at Meadows Church, everybody is welcome at Meadows. Unless you're a clown. Like, like, if that's you, we think there's a church for you, but it's probably over in Council Bluffs, okay? I'm just being, we just, I'm sorry. It ain't here. It is not here. So I, um, so I grew up, and I, I went to Catholic church, and, and I've always believed in Jesus, always believed in God. And, but understand why, why I love what Rachel shared about her kids in youth ministry is this. Like many of you, when I got 18 years old, and uh, I got out of high school and went to college, I was done with church. I wonder how many can relate. Uh, not because I was mad at the church, not because I was hurt at the church, not because I was mad at God or even didn't believe in God. Oh, I, none of that. I just didn't see the value. Uh, you know, you're busy. It's college life. There's things to do, fun to be had. And church wasn't on the radar. And that's, that's normal and that's common. But not here anymore. Not at Meadows. And, and uh, so I, <laughs> I remember saying, I didn't say to God specifically, I didn't say this, but it was like, God, I've been doing church a long time. I'm going to do my own thing now. And it's like God said, Monty, that's going to hurt. And it, it did. I made a lot of crazy decisions. I lived a wild lifestyle. Um, dealt with many different addictions. Many. Like there was a time, you guys, I was addicted to the hokey pokey. But then I, but then I turned myself around. So anyway, so uh, anyway. I'm sorry. Okay, we're done. We're done. So maybe. So, <laughs> I, uh, so I lived this wild lifestyle. Um, and God leads me back to the church. And God doesn't just lead me back to a church, but then he calls me into like full-time ministry. And then he doesn't just call me into full-time ministry, but he says, you're going to plant a church. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but this is what we're supposed to do. And I'm thinking, okay, God, if we're going to leave South Dakota where, I, where I've always grown up, I'm, you know, I'm going somewhere warmer. And God's like, you know, I'm, okay. So I'm like, I'm going to Colorado where the, you know, the mountains, or I'm going to Texas or Dallas. It's warm. And then my pastor said this in South Dakota. He said, Monty, I want you to pray about Omaha. And I said, Omaha where? And I, I, mean, Omaha, I mean, I knew two things about Omaha. Okay, they have a zoo. And so I know one thing about Omaha. Okay, they have a zoo. That's, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything. But here we are. 
five years ago, we moved to Omaha, and the very first memory is we, oh gosh, you want to go backwards in your walk with Jesus? Take your family from a house you've lived in for years and shove them into an apartment for a few months, okay? Someone's going to die, and it's not me. So we, our kids and I were in this apartment for a while, and um, I, I'll never forget the first memory of Omaha. Here you go. We get into the apartment, and the apartment is not clean, and uh, Jake, my youngest son, was nine at the time. It's hard to believe. But Jake was nine, and we're moving into this apartment, and all of a sudden there's this little brown, like, nugget over in the corner. And I'm like, that looks suspicious. And Jake runs over. He's like, oh, he grabs it. I'm like, Jake, put that down. And then he licks it. I'm like, Jake, what are you doing? That could be poop. He's like, he goes, nope, chocolate-covered raisin. Pops it in his mouth. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Welcome to Omaha. You know, so... But, but God, you guys, God has done miracle upon miracle. And here's what I want you to know. See, some of you, you came to church because grandma wants you here. Or maybe, maybe a spouse wants you here. Or your kids invited you here. And I'm grateful that you came. Here's what I'll tell you. You didn't just come to check church off the list. God, wa- God got you here intentionally. Whether you know it or not. And you're going to see that today. At Meadows, a lot of times we preach in series. So we pick a topic or a Bible character and we preach for weeks. The last few weeks, we've been doing a a crazy series called You Ask and We Answer. Uh, Frequently asked questions that many of you submitted questions, and we've answered them over the last few weeks. A lot of them pertaining specifically to Easter. We continue the series today. In fact, you know what God said? We're going to continue the series even in the next week. And and it's, it's still called Easter, Frequently Asked Questions. And you might say, well, Easter's done. No, no, no. See, the tomb was empty yesterday. The tomb is empty today. And next week, the tomb's still going to be empty, so we're still going to... So I don't want you to think, it's a, oh, we're going to celebrate a certain day. No, no, no. We're going to celebrate every day. We do at this church. You, you'll find that out real quick. So the series continues next week. But for this week, we, we, are, we are running out the gate with probably the most... This is probably the most asked question I ever, I've ever gotten as a pastor, is what we're going to tackle right, 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 right now. The number one question that people will ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Right? Why do bad things happen to good people? And, and I'm going to give you about, about three little subset answers to this question. The first one, I don't even have to talk you into this. I don't have to convince you of this. You know this. The world's broken. We live in a fallen world. Say fallen. It's fallen. You know that. You don't have to turn on the news for more than three seconds to see it. You guys, as I put the message together, I go onto a, um, a, a news website. I look at the headlines this week, I, and I didn't have to search real hard. It was right in front, top headline. Here's what they were. Manhunt underway after 10 people shot at a New York City subway. That was the first thing I saw. Right underneath it, 16-year-old, uh, old, 16-year-old cheer captain stabbed to death during a school parade. Okay. It's a fallen world. And to lighten things up a little bit, here here was another headline. Maryland man with 124 snakes in his home found dead. And the autopsy autopsy said that he died of a snake bite. No. I mean, you had to do an autopsy? What did you think it was going to be bird flu? I mean, yes, he died of a snake bite. True story, poor guy. But he kind of had it coming. Anyway, so... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we live in a fallen world. That's number one. Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? The world's broken. Number two, um, we have free will. T- tell your neighbor, I have a choice. Just tell them, you got a choice. 
Like, you didn't have to come here. You didn't have to be here. You have a choice. You can choose to believe something or reject it. You can choose to do good or do evil. You can choose to uh, believe in God or believe that God isn't a thing. You have a choice. You guys, as this question has gotten asked to me before, one of the number one illustrations I like to give is, is in the Word of God. We preach it every weekend at Meadows Church. Uh, is the story of a guy that was really, really good. Because the question is, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, John the Baptist was really, really good. Like, if you don't know who he was, he was a cousin to Jesus, six months older than Jesus. He baptized Jesus when Jesus was 30 years old. Jesus got baptized in a river called the Jordan, baptized by John, and that really began Jesus' public ministry. So, John was really good. Not because I said it. Listen to what Jesus said about his cousin. This is a crazy statement. Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Whoa, 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 Jesus, settle down. None? I mean, Abraham, the father of our faith? You know, Noah built like a big boat and saved mankind? John's better than him, gooder than him, greater than him? Uh, what, okay, Moses? Like Moses led the Israelites out of slavery. He penned the first five books of the Bible. Jesus, what about King David? Greatest king of Israel. Okay, how about this, Jesus? What about your mom? Mother Mary? What is she going to think about that? You said John's greater than her? Some scholars believe Jesus said that because Mary didn't let him have Snapchat. We don't know. Like, I don't know. Right now, mom's leaning over to her kid. You see, Jesus didn't have it. You know, you don't need it. Right, kids? Can I get an amen from the kid? No, my kids are like looking at me like. <laughs> Anywho, so um, John was great. Jesus said he was the greatest that ever lived. So you would think, John, okay, you're good. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. Something bad happened to John. John the Baptist got arrested for preaching about Jesus, preaching about the kingdom that's coming. He's arrested, and John is so, John's struggling with this question. Like, he's like, why is this happening to me? Like, all I've done is point people to my cousin, Jesus, and I'm facing death in jail. And he's questioning it. And he says to his friends, he says, I don't get it. I don't even know if Jesus is who he said he was. I, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I just baptized a regular guy. Maybe I just baptized uh, some prophet, but not, not a Messiah, not a Savior. He didn't know. He didn't understand it. So, so he sent his disciples to go talk to Jesus and ask Jesus, are you really who I thought you were? Are you really the, 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 the Messiah? Are you really this anointed one? Which is what, that's what Messiah means. And this is what Jesus tells John's friends to go back and tell John. Matthew eleven four 4 and 5. Jesus said, you go back and tell John. You tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. You tell him the blind see. You tell him the lame walk. You tell him the lepers are cured. You tell him the deaf hear. You tell him the dead are raised to life. You tell him the good news is bring, preached to the poor. You tell John. He didn't have it wrong. I am who I said I was. So what John learned that day when, the, when they told him that, here's what John learned. God's purposes were being fulfilled, just not the way John planned. And God's purposes are being fulfilled. They might not be the way you planned, right? Let's be, let's be real. This is Meadows Church. We like to, we get pretty real. There's things going on in your life that you didn't plan. There's things going on in your life that are not good according to what you're looking at and what you're facing, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your family, whether it's your school, whether it's a secret or a sin or an addiction, you know things aren't right in some area. And here's what I need you to know about this question. Don't let a bad situation 
cause you to doubt the goodness of God. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Don't let a bad situation cause you to doubt the goodness of God. I'm telling you, whatever you're going through today, God is with you. God is with you in the good. God is with you in the bad. You need to know it. And you might have walked away from God, but he'll never walk away from you. He never will. That's why you're here. He's drawing you in. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, pastors or people will say, give your life to Jesus and your life will be great. Well, I'm not going to deny that. Surrendering your life to Jesus is the best decision you can ever make. But you better define great, right? Oh, it's going to be rosy. It's going to be unbelievable. Well, what's unbelievable? Does that mean I'll never get cancer? Does unbelievable mean I'm always going to get the promotion? Does unbelievable mean that my kids are always going to listen to me? Come on, you know better than that. That's not what it means. I wrote it down. Um, well, Jesus said it, John 16, Here's what he said. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say, in this world, if you don't know me, you're going to have trouble. You will. But he didn't say, in this world, if you do know me, you won't have trouble. He said, no, no, no. Regardless whether you know me or don't know me, this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. There, I mean, there's no promise that life will be trouble-free. But here's what, I, here's what I can promise you. God is bigger. God is bigger than your problems. God is bigger than your trouble. God is bigger than your fear. God is bigger. He's bigger. God is bigger. Why do bad things happen to good people? We live in a fallen world. We have free will. We get to choose good or bad. We get to choose that. God lets us do that. He loves us. But let me blow you out of the water here. The real answer to the question is they don't. Bad things don't happen to good people. Because we're not good people. According to what God said. Again, what's your definition of good? In the eyes of God, none of us are good. I shared this scripture last week, but many of you, of course, are here for the first time. Romans 3.23. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. We're flawed. We're sinful. The question, really the question shouldn't be, hey, why do bad things happen to good people? It should be, why do good things happen to bad people? That's what the question should be. See, God is always good. God is always just, but life isn't always fair, is it? I mean, you got kids, they'll tell you that. Dad, that's not fair. Good mom, that's not fair. I never did make those t-shirts, did I? I was going to make family t-shirts. Remember what they were going to say? They were going to say, life's not fair. I don't care. Love dad. Remember? We didn't do that. I still got to do that. My kids are like, they're not amused right now, just so you know. Um, but this is really good. You just, you're just not appreciating it. So, um, <laughs> Bad things don't happen to good people. Good things will happen to some bad people once in a while. And we should be blessed because of that. But if you want to know about not fair, you don't have to look any farther than Jesus. This man never did anything wrong. All he did was love. All he did was serve. All he did was uh, uh, support. All he did was forgive. All he did was show mercy. All he did was heal. That's all he did. And, 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 and we murdered him on a cross. 
That's not fair. That's not, that, that, he's a pretty good person. He's a perfect person. But that begs the next question. Did Jesus really die on the cross? Believe it or not, some scholars will say he died. Of course, he lived and he died, but not on the cross. So did Jesus really die on the cross? I, uh, and if you think about it, couldn't Jesus hold his breath for a few days? I mean, he's Jesus, right? He walked on water, right? He, he, rose, he rose dead people from, from, from the dead to alive. Can you imagine if you were growing up with Jesus as like a teenager and you got in like a, a, a you ever do this? This might have been just a South Dakota thing, which is nothing to be proud of. But we as kids sometimes, we'd get across from each other and we hold our breath and see who could hold it the longest. We'd have kids like turning blue and passing out. They're like, I won. You're about dead. But anyway, so it wasn't nothing to be proud of. But can, you don't want to do that TikTok challenge with Jesus, okay? You'd lose. Jesus could do it. Did he really die on the cross? John 19, 1 through 3. Jesus is arrested. Here's what happened. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. Flogged, beaten. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and then they put a purple robe on him. Now that's sarcastic as heck because purple symbolizes royalty. They didn't think he was royal. They just, they're just, just like they would say in the next sentence, Hail, King of the Jews. They're mocking Jesus, in other words. It says they mocked him. They slapped him across the face. When you read about the torture and the uh, experience that Jesus went through, there's almost no way you could think he could live through it. Uh, Lee Strobel, he's an atheist that turned uh, Christian. A journalist, you could, the Case for Christ movie, a book, um, it's, it's, it's pretty epic. The guy was very smart, uh, didn't believe, was going to disprove the, the crucifixion, disprove the resurrection, and he set out, and for two years, that's all he wanted to do, and all the evidence he kept finding pointed to the fact that it was true. This is what he said, and I, and I quote him. Jesus had been beaten repeatedly and lashed with a Roman scourge, before his crucifixion. The leather scourge, a type of whip, was de designed to inflict maximum pain and damage to the victim. It was braided with pieces of bone and metal woven into the ends so that it tore the flesh with each stroke, with each whip. The scourge would rip under the muscle and the flesh and produce strips of bleeding flesh. One, one article I read this week said that there would be people that would be beaten, and you could see veins and bowels. Their flesh was completely ripped. That's what, it was, that's what the instrument was made to do, is torture. Many times, actually, people would die even before they ever made it to the cross, just from the beating. So it would be horrendous. And one reason I'll tell you that Jesus is so far above us, certainly me, is that when Jesus was on the cross, they offered, like, reprieve. They offered, I mean, it was so torturous, they offered him like painkillers. It says in Mark 15, 23, they offered Jesus wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Okay, can I get real? If I'm beaten to a bloody pulp and I'm on a cross, I'm like, bring it on, okay? I'll take two of what he's smoking. I'll drink three of what they're drinking. In fact, shots all around. I don't care. I ain't, he, Jesus and me, we're not the same, obviously. So, um, ladies, okay, just to put it in perspective, that'd be, that would be like you having a baby and saying, I don't want the anesthetic. I don't want the epidural. I don't want any narcotics. I'm just, I just don't want it. Yet as I say that, there are probably women here that have done that, I guess. And there, 
there's some that you did? Oh, my God, I know. Like, you just wanted to do it all natural, right? Like, I just want to feel and experience the beauty of childbirth. And, yes, that's noble, but it's also insane. I don't, that's why I, God made me a boy. I don't, you got, you women are amazing to me. That's, I would not bring on the drugs. Anyway, so, but Jesus said no to it. He said no to the drugs. He said no to the liquor. Let's continue in the word of God, John 19. It was the day of preparation. The Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies. Now, they're hanging on the cross. They've been crucified. They didn't want them hanging there to the next day. The next day was called the Sabbath day. A very special Sabbath because it was the Passover week. So they asked Pilate, the guy in charge, to quicken the deaths by ordering the legs be broken so the bodies could be taken down before the Sabbath and they rest. So understand something. The only thing keeping these guys alive on the cross are their legs, right? Because when they push up, they can breathe. That's how they're breathing in and out. So you take the legs away, they're dead within minutes, probably seconds, because they can no longer support the breathing. And, and, and they, they die. So they bust the legs of, of, the, of the criminals next to Jesus. It says right there in verse 32, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was dead. So they didn't break his legs. By the way, that fulfills prophecy in the Old Testament that said not a bone in his body would be broken. One of the soldiers, however, pierced the side of Jesus, uh, would have went through his lung and his heart, with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. So two things you need to know about this. Number one, the, the soldiers, like if they went to college, their major was death. They knew how to do it. It's all they knew. They know how to kill, and they know how to like, get you on the brink of death and not die. It's what they do. So when they look at, the, they look at Jesus and they say, you know, he's dead. He's dead. They know death. Again, that's all they do. Number two, as they did research about the spear, you know, going into Jesus' side, one, one article said, being flogged or whipped and then nailed to a cross causes prolonged rapid heartbeat. Okay, Thank you, Captain Obvious. I, I would, yeah, your heart beats. Okay, I get that. But then he says, resulting in hypovolemic shock that causes fluid to gather in the area around the heart. So this is the, the water they're talking about. It's called pericardial effusion. The decreased oxygen also damages the heart itself, which leads to cardiac arrest. In severe cases of cardiac stress, the heart can even burst. A process known as cardiac rupture. In other words, you could say that Jesus died of a broken heart. We say it a lot at Meadows Church. Sin breaks the father's heart. Do you know why? Because it breaks his children. That's why. So Jesus dies of a broken heart, and he was dead. I'm telling you, when he was hanging up there, Mother Mary didn't think he was alive. His best friend John didn't think he was alive. The soldiers didn't think he was alive. Nobody there was like, he's going to be okay. Huh? Trust me. I, I, I say it this way. We would have been horrified the moment that God was most glorified. The smell alone would have driven you back to the city. It was such a scene. Unbelievable. But like we say, thousands died on a cross. Jesus wasn't the only one crucified. The dudes next to him were, and thousands more were. So what's the big deal? The big deal is this, the last question. 
Did Jesus really rise from the dead? See, understand something about why we're here today and what the Christian faith even means. This is the center. The center of our faith isn't the Bible, even though it's all true, 100%, I believe it, and it's our authority. The center of our faith isn't creation. The center of our faith isn't even God. It's not. The center of the Christian faith is an event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's why I can tell you that. If the resurrection didn't happen, there is no church. There is no, we're not here today. We're not celebrating today. There is, there is no hope. It's over. That's how big the resurrection is. Like, you disprove the resurrection. If that's disproven, we can all go home and we never have to gather again. That's how huge it is. It is the center. It is the center. So, in fact, Paul, who wrote up much of the New Testament, listen to this verse. I wonder if you've ever seen this in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. He knew it was the center. Here's what he said. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then all our preaching, useless. Your faith, useless. He said it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The principles, the commandments, the disciples, Jesus' teachings, they're worthless if he didn't rise from the dead. That's how big this question is. So you guys, I'm, I got all excited. I'm, I'm at home, I'm, I'm preparing, and I'm like, God, I know it's real, and I'm going to show the church. I'm going to show you scripture after scripture after scripture, and it shows it. It shows that, that they wrote that women went to the tomb, and the stone was rolled away, and they said it was empty. It showed, I'll show you scripture, that Mary Magdalene was the first woman that spoke with Jesus. I was going to show you scripture that, uh, that Jesus appeared to Peter, and then he appeared to the, some of the disciples, and eight days later he appeared to Thomas, who wasn't there, and Thomas had to get all gross about it and put his fingers in his holes and put his fingers to believe. I could show you all that, and I could show you James, his brother, his own brother. Now, what would it take for, <laughs> what would it take for, to convince you that your brother was the son of God? Huh? Think about that for a second. James didn't believe. James went from not believing to believing. Why? Because he saw Jesus alive. James was a pillar, a leader in the first church. Okay, and God's like, I, I kid you not, I didn't audibly hear God, but here's what I heard. Is that what did it for you? And I'm like, God, this is all true stuff right here. He's like, I know, I, I wrote it, but is that what did it for you? I'm like, okay, okay, God, you want, you want, you want me to show them life change, not just, not just quote some scripture, but, but prove it. Okay, God, I'm going to show them the scriptures of, of the disciples. There's no greater proof than this. I'll show the, the congregation and, and thousands watching online, I'm going to show them that, that before Jesus died and rose, that, that they denied him. They ran from him. They deserted him. In fact, when Jesus was crucified, they ran and hid in a room and locked the door like little schoolgirls. Like, oh my gosh, we're so scared. They were freaked out. You know why? Because Jesus was dead and they thought they were next. So gee, I can show them scripture how they were that way, but then they met Jesus alive and they were radically different. And all of a sudden, Peter wasn't denying Jesus anymore. He, he was a pillar in Jesus' church, like James. Uh, 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 in fact, 11 of the 12 went from cowering in a room to commanding the church and dying for their faith. Okay, that's it right there. That, that, will, that will show you that the resurrection is real. These men were freaked out and scared for their lives. And the next day, they, you, could, you, could shut, you could have a spear right here and they'd say, go ahead and do it. I don't care. I won't shut up about Jesus. How? 
yesterday you were freaking out and you were you were you locked the door and now you're over here and you won't shut up and you don't care if death is staring you in the face that is proof that something happened say something happened something happened and god's like monty is that what did it for you I'm like god that's pretty big like that's huge and god's like i know i was there i'm like okay so you want me to take it a step further So I'm driving down 41st Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I've never seen a dead man drive a car, but that day it was happening. Dead corpse driving a car. Dead in addiction, dead in sin, dead in deceit, dead, dead, dead. And I'm bawling in my car, grown man, bawling. Here's how I know. I didn't cry out that day to Muhammad. Why would I? He's dead. I didn't cry out to Buddha. Why would I? He's dead. I didn't cry out to Confucius. Why would I? He's dead. I didn't cry out to Gandhi. Why would I? He's dead. I cried out to a man named Jesus. And the next thing I knew, the next thing I remember is I'm going and I'm confessing. And after that, I remember going into a rehab center and I would love, love, love to tell you that that's where the miracle started and that's where it ended. It's where it started. I wasn't done. So I'd have to go back to rehab a second time. And I, even after a second rehab, God, so crazy. I step into a church just like Meadows Church and I'm sitting in the back with my wife and I'm sitting there and here's the thoughts going through my head. I, I wish I could leave and go find drugs. I have kids, I have a family, I have, I have all this. And this is my thought, I and mean, this is my thought. I've never felt so void. And then all of a sudden, like the picture we just had up, you can put it up again. I see this, I didn't see it. They, they put up a picture like this at the church I was at, just like you're seeing. And I'm looking at, at Christ. I told you earlier, I've always believed in that man. I, I've never doubted the death or the resurrection. And I'm sitting in the back, and I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that, and I'm, I'm just like, I don't get it. I felt, I remember sitting. I got to show you. I just want you to see it. So I'm sitting, Bible on my lap, kid you not. And I'm thinking these thoughts that are just like, how could you think that? This family stuck with you. Your friends have stuck with you. I know, I get it. I felt so bad. And I keep looking at that. You can leave it up for a second. And I said, I don't get it. I am so the least of these. God, you know what I'm thinking right now. Tears streaming down my face. And in the moment as I sat there, telling God how I don't get it. I don't understand why Jesus would go, I, I don't get why you would do that. I don't get why you do that. Not for me. I get why he would do it for you and you and you. I get it for you. I get it for you. I don't get it for me. And, and I, again, I didn't audibly hear it, but here's what I heard. Monty, I, I did it for you. And if you were the only one left, I would climb up on the cross 
take the nails again and do it again. And I think today he says the same thing to you. If you were it, nobody else, yeah, he knows what you've done. Yeah, he knows where you've been. Yeah, he knows what you're thinking. He knew what I was thinking in his house. He said, I'll do it, I'd do it again. And I don't, I don't get it. So here's what happens. I kid you not, I don't, I don't get it. Here's what happens. I'm sitting in the back and I stand up just like this. Bible falls off my lap. And, and, and now no one is there sitting like you. My wife's next to me. She's like, my God, my husband is so weird. Now what is he doing? You know, she's like, sit down, honey. No one's down. I'm like, and I stood up and I looked at the image and I said, I'll give my life to this. I said it twice audibly out loud. Now understand something. I had no idea what, I, what, it, what it meant. Most days I still don't know what it meant. I just, that's what came out of my mouth. And here's what I know. That moment, the Holy Spirit entered into me. That was the moment that I was saved. Listen to me. Not because that I was good. Not because that I deserved it. That's not why I was saved. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. I was saved because I accepted the grace of God. And I came to tell somebody, if God can save a wretch like me, oh, what he wants to do in you. Oh, what he wants to do through you. I'm telling somebody, there is hope. There's hope. I wrote it down. You can't earn it. It's not about being good. You're going to be shocked at who's in heaven, and we'll be shocked at who's in hell. It's about surrendering to God, believing by faith that he is the son of God, that he is the savior of the world, that he lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and most importantly, rose from the dead. If you believe it by faith, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit will enter into you. You most likely, many times, don't feel it. It's not like some, ah, you know, moment. The clouds don't part a lot of times. But you'll know. You know how I knew? Because from that moment on when that happened, the Holy Spirit would start to convict me. Like when I would think about drugs, I'm like, God, I felt so like, oh, I can't do it. I would think about other things. I, he would, the Holy Spirit would convict me, would lead me, would guide me, counsel me. He does every day. Okay, I'll get real with you. Here's how I know the Holy Spirit was in me. I, when, I, when I, after that moment, well, it was years later, three years later, I, I, was, I became full-time ministry on staff at the same church I was saved at in Sioux Falls. So I'm a pastor on staff, rookie, rookie pastor. We have a large staff, big church, and, and one of our roles was we would have to take the pastor on call phone. So every, every night when the church closed, it'd be like, okay, you got the phone tonight. If someone calls, they're going through a struggle, you answer the phone. We're 24-7. We're there for people morning, noon, and night. My first day, I'm like, Monty, you got the phone? I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, does it ever ring? They're like, eh, not too much. Of course, that night it's ringing like crazy. I'm like, all right. It's 10 o'clock at night, 10, 11, right around there. I'm in bed. Phone rings. Chaplain from a local hospital calls me. And he's like, celebrate? I'm like, celebrate church, name, name of the church. I said, yeah. He said, hey, got, a, got one of your parishioners, one of your congregants here. Uh, they're at the hospital. They're requesting a pastor. I'm like, all right, well, all right, this is what I do. So I got up and I start, I'm talking to the guys. I'm, I'm changing, getting ready to drive to the hospital. And he said, I just need to tell you something before you come just to kind of prepare you. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, well, you know, give me the name, what's going on. 
And he said, uh, uh, you know, she's in this room and her husband's in another room and we're kind of with them right now. And he said, just to prep you, uh, their house uh, burnt up tonight. And I said, okay. And I'm kind of preparing myself, okay, okay. And he said, that's not all. Their three children died in the fire. And I'm like, okay, what? I, I can't. I got to call somebody else. I can't. Well, I'm not going to call somebody at 1030 at night. I, they trusted me to be the guy. And you guys, I don't, I, I'm, that seven-mile drive to the hospital was maybe the longest of my life. And I'm praying to God. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm a drug addict. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know anything. I got my Bible, but I don't even, I mean, I can't point to, I don't know. And I'm not hearing anything. But I have this peace, and I'm like, okay. So I get to the hospital, and I get up to the room. The chaplain meets me outside the room. He says, okay. She's in there. The, 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 I'm going in where the mom is. I said, okay. And he goes, he goes you'll be good. <laughs> like he, he can see I'm frazzled. He's like, oh, my God, are you sure you're a pastor? No, I'm not. I don't know what I am. <laughs> I don't know. I think I need the counseling. So I go into the room, and she's, she's, they probably have, I'm guessing, some drugs in her to calm her down, but she's still frantic. So she, I walk up to the bed, and she grabs my hand. I, I don't know her. Don't know her at all. Big church. I have, don't know who she is or anything. And she don't know me. She grabs my hand. And I got the Bible, and I'm sitting there, and, I, and I'm just kind of praying. I'm like, Father, thank you. I, I, don't, I, I, I won't even pretend I know what I'm saying. I don't remember what I said. I don't know. Because it wasn't me. It wasn't me doing the talking. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It wasn't me. And here's what she kept saying. She kept saying, it wouldn't jump. And I'm like, and she said it over and over. And I'm like, but she's, I mean, she's, I'm thinking she's like in shock. And I'm sure she was. But as, as the night went on, in those moments as I was holding her hand, here's what she said. And here's what I found out. When they woke up to the fire, it was full blaze. I mean, it's not like just, oh, it's just starting. No. Full blaze. No way to get to the kids. Flames, smoke, everything. You don't know where you are. You're disorientated. So she, I mean, she's frantic. Doesn't know, can't get to the kids. Throws herself out the window, top story window. Falls to the ground. I, I don't even know. I mean, who knows what, what she strained or broke. Don't even know. And she, and she said, she said, uh, and she's telling me the story. And she said, I'm out. And I run over outside dark run over to the kid's window. And there are the three kids are standing in the window. And she's like, jump! Jump! And she's screaming at them. And they're staring at her, freaked out and scared. She's like, jump! Jump! And they wouldn't do it. They were too scared to jump. And she's begging them, begging, jump! And eventually the smoke overtakes them. Here's what I believe. I believe that the Lord is saying to you, jump. Jump. I sent my son for you. I know you're jacked up. I know you got issues. I know you got struggles. But will you trust that I will catch you? Will you trust that I won't hurt you? Will you trust that, yeah, I know it's a leap of faith, but trust me. Jump. That's why Jesus came, so you would have the courage to jump and trust that the Father will catch you with arms wide open. This is the gospel. 
This is the good news of Jesus. I know that there are those of you that are hurting today. I know there are those of you that are struggling today. Those of you that are going through hell today. But I'm telling you, the fact that you're still here proves that it ain't over. And I came to tell somebody that the one who created you is greater than anything that you're going through. If you believe that, could you shout louder than that? Could you give him praise? He's big. He loves you. It's true. The tomb is empty. If the tomb is empty, there's still hope in your life. And that's why you're here. I wrote, to close, I wrote God is good. And if you don't know the goodness of God, it's probably because you don't know God. But that's why you're here. Jump. Jump. One, one moment of faith can change everything. We have a saying at Meadows Church. If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, <laughs> we're with him. We're on, like, we're going to go with that guy. Jesus did it. No one else has ever done it. You can jump to him. You can trust him. He knows your screw-ups. He knows your mess. I'm telling you, you're, the one preaching to you is a drug addict. What does that tell you? What, what can he do in you? Here's how you're saved. You call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ask him to come into you. You jump and say, God, forgive me. Make me new. I accept the Holy Spirit. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. Most importantly, Father, I believe that you rose from the dead. I jump into your arms. The cards, the connect cards are for you. Any decision that you're making, indicate it so we can celebrate it long after you're gone. And I pray to God you come back. God is in love with you. Not because of what you do or what you don't do, but because he created you. And he loves you. And he forgives. If he didn't, I wouldn't be here. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of your son, we are grateful that we can boldly say the tomb is empty. Here's the thing about me, God. I don't say it because it's written, even though it's written. I say it because of what happened. I was a dead man. And I could debate theology. I could debate scripture. We can debate evolution. We can debate creation. We can debate the tribulation. We can debate, oh, well, let's, let's face it, God. We can debate thousands of things. But here's what we don't need to debate. I was a dead man, and today I live. And I know that, did, I know that wasn't me. I, I, had to, I had to minister to a family, and I was a fallen individual who knew nothing. But yet, I don't, I don't even know how you use me. I don't remember much of that night at all. That's how I know it wasn't me. The Holy Spirit is real. And there are people here today, and they are suffering, and they are struggling. I pray that after we're done worshiping in this final song, I pray that people flood the stage where the prayer team will be. I pray that people will flood the prayer area. I know it's Easter. We're going to get with family. But that doesn't matter. None of it matters because it's all temporal. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Family doesn't matter. I'm just saying 
we're going to spend a, a snapshot in this world. We'll spend trillions of, trillions of years in the next. Why would we not make a decision to jump today into the arms of the Father, surrender our life to Christ, and say, I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live your way. When we do that, it, it, it saves us. We're saved for eternity. God, I pray that many will make that decision. I pray they will take their cards and turn them into guest services. We'll, we'll celebrate with them. We'll, we'll, we'll give them Bibles if they need one. We will do whatever it takes. I pray that the kids, I know they're having a great time. I pray that uh, this experience was life-changing for them. God, I thank you for Jesus. See, without Jesus, if, if, if <laughs> without Jesus, no way we're jumping because we know there's no hope down there. But with Christ, we jump and you're right there to love us, catch us, and welcome us home. Father, we love you. We honor you. We lift up the name of your son, Jesus. He's everything to us. Holy Spirit, have your way. I guess my biggest prayer right now is that people will listen to what you tell them to do and they'll do it. If they do, the world will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray, and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.